Milkwood, I want to welcome you today, and those of, the, of you that are watching online, I want to welcome you as well. Thanks for tuning in with us today. And uh, we're going to have kind of a little mini-series this week and next week called Bulletproof, Bulletproof Faith. Former uh, Los Angeles motorcycle officer Bob Vernon was on duty one morning, and uh, it was early, and he saw a red pickup blow right through a stop sign. And he thought, well, this guy must be late for work. So he initiated a traffic stop, radioed that he was going to be stopping this vehicle. And inside the vehicle, the guy became very nervous. He thought, oh, no, they're on to me already. And in his lap held the same gun that he had used a few moments earlier to rob a 24-hour convenience store. And he had a sack of money there with him. Officer Vernon walked up there and Guy rolled down his window and he said, good morning, may I see you? And that's all he got out before that thief took a gun, stuck it basically point blank into his chest and fired, knocking Officer Vernon about seven feet backwards. Dazed and stunned, a few moments later, he rose to his feet, kind of surprised this thief and he grabbed his own service weapon and he fired two shots. One went through the open window and through the windshield, and the other one went through the door and hit the guy in the leg, and that's when he decided, I'm surrendering. He held his hands up, said, don't shoot, through the gun, through the bag of money, out the window, and said, I give up, don't shoot. You see, what saved Officer Vernon's life was dozens of layers of thickness of a material called Kevlar. Very thin, in fact, the whole vest is only about three-eighths of, of a you know inch thick but it was made by this material called Kevlar which can stop a bullet and that bulletproof vi light, uh, vest saved officer Vernon's life that day well later when he used to train rookie officers on the gun range they would put that vest on a mannequin and then they would show them and demonstrate how that bulletproof vest would work then he'd always ask for a volunteer. They just had seen that it would work, but he said nobody wanted to try that out for themselves. While they believed that that thing would stop it, and they had faith and confidence in that bulletproof vest, it was another thing to say, I'm going to put this thing on and stand in front of a, a live gun and let somebody shoot, shoot at me. I want to ask you a question this morning. Is your faith bulletproof? Do you have the type of faith that is going to sustain you in tough times? Well, nobody in their, you know, human flesh is bulletproof. We can have a faith that is absolutely bulletproof. I have great admiration for the believers in the Middle East and some of the third world countries that basically are in, under persecution every single day. If you've never read much about the persecuted church, I encourage you to do that because there are brothers and sisters that literally live every day of their life in fear and persecution. I'm not talking about just a little inconvenience here and there, but I'm talking about major persecution. Several years ago, I wrote a newsletter about this very subject, and I entitled it just the same thing as I did this sermon, Bulletproof Faith. And this subject has been on my mind here for a little while about our faith. Is it bulletproof? And I was inspired by the stories coming out of some of these countries where Muslim terrorists would 
demand that Christians renounce their faith in Jesus Christ or face death, often by beheading. And these believers would go to eternity not denouncing their faith in Jesus Christ. And when they found out that didn't work, these terrorists would turn their wrath towards the children. And they said, okay, we know you're not going to denounce your faith, but what if we execute your child in front of you? Will you denounce your faith then? How would you like to, as a parent, be faced with that? And have to look at your small son or daughter and say, Honey, I love you, but we've got a great faith in Jesus Christ. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll see you in heaven. But we're not going to denounce Jesus Christ. Do you have that kind of faith? What's the difference, I thought, in the faith of those believers, those brothers and sisters that face persecution like that every single day in the believers here in America? One of my friends, and I've actually not ever met this man face-to-face, but we become friends through Facebook, and we've had a lot of correspondence back and forth, and he's actually the one that kind of inspired in me to, to have a love for the people of South Africa and kind of actually inspired our trip to, to get to go to Swaziland, South Africa, last year. David Marabu, who is a pastor and a, and a missionary in Kenya, Africa, and he's a director of the, uh, one of the Christian academies there. He said, and I don't know if you've stayed up with the news lately and what's going on with Kenya, but he said, we are experiencing severe problems right now. Terrible problems. He said, there's COVID-19. He said, people are locked in their homes. They can't go anywhere, but yet the government is not providing any relief, food, or assistance. He said, then there are locusts. You can Google that and read about these locusts. He said, they travel and swarm, consuming almost every leaf of green vegetation in its wake feeding on hundreds and thousands of hectares of crops and pasture land. These insects move with the wind and can migrate hundreds of kilometers in one day and are capable of consuming hundreds of tons of vegetation per day, the same amount of food that would feed thousands of people. Then on top of that, there's persistent rains. said the rains have destroyed crops and caused massive destruction to our country's agriculture sector in recent weeks. Some areas have been receiving as high as 50 millimeters of downpour in a day. Some of the crops include maize, beans, cassavana, groundnuts, sorghum, soya, sweet potatoes, tomatoes, sugarcane have all been washed away as well as the livestock. And as a result, there is a reduction in supply of food and an increase in those items. The above average rainfall has caused landslides and deaths in some areas. Some rivers have burst at their banks and dams have overflowed for the first times in many years. These prolonged rains have also increased the amount of stagnant water in some places in which mosquitoes breed and as a result now we have a malaria outbreak. He said we have a great need for food, face masks, sanitizers, mosquito nets. But he ended his post and he said in God we trust. Now, friends, that's some believers that are going through some tough times right now. But what a tremendous faith they, they have in God. 
Now, here in America, we've had our, well, pretty much the whole world has been turned upside down in 2020, right? We've got COVID-19 rampant throughout the world. For goodness sakes, we've had a shortage of toilet paper. We've all survived that, thankfully. We've had natural disasters and constant threat of, uh, of terrorism, and the political divide in this country is terrible. Many people have lost jobs or lost income or partial in- income. The, the price of groceries is, is rising. People have lost some of the freedoms, even here in America, that we've had to go and do. And sadly, some people have even lost their faith. So what's the difference in the faith of those believers who don't know where their next meal is going to come from or maybe if they're going to be faced to, to choose Christ or not or denounce Him in the believers here in the United States. Like I said, we've been kind of inconvenienced. The government told us that we couldn't meet in churches for a few weeks, but guess what? Nobody's put a gun to us and said, if you do meet, be prepared to meet your maker. So what's the difference in that type of a faith? It's called bulletproof faith. Open up your Bibles with me to First or Second Corinthians chapter four. Beginning with verse sixteen, and I'm going to read from the NIV version today. And so that's a little different than the the Pew version, but we've got it on the screen. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. He said, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, what the Apostle Paul is telling us right now, we need to get a proper perspective on what's going on in the problems of the world around us right now. He said, don't look at the temporary problems right now that you're going through, but look at the eternal gain that you're going to have in heaven. Look at the long-term reward. Don't look at this temporary pain that you're going through and these temporary problems. Because when we do, we're we're having short-term vision And we need to keep our eyes fixed on not what we see here and now, but what we see for eternity. What we can't see right now. Keep our eye on the prize. Faithful people keep on keeping on when other people choose to give up. Faithful people are determined and diligent. They're persistent. And I believe, friends, that trials define your faith. And when you go through these trials, your faith is either going to become stronger or weaker. Now, trials are different than temptations. A temptation is something that's put before you that you always have a choice in. Am I going to do this or not do that? There's always a choice in a temptation. A trial is something completely different because nobody typically ever chooses to go through a trial. Yeah, I've got this terrible disease and, you know, I chose to, to, to have it. I just thought I'd see what it'd be like. Or, hey, I've lost my job, I've lost my income, but I thought, hey, let's, let's, I, life's a challenge, I'm ready for that. Nobody chooses these type of trials, but the temptation is different because you're, there's always a choice. 
Do you ever wonder why so many Christians today have what I call a mild case of Christianity? But biblical faith, bulletproof faith is this, absolute confidence in what God says and what God does. I like uh, the way Hebrews 11.1 1 says the best. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. That's faith. Think about the last time you went to a doctor. And maybe you were sick, and he decided he'd write a prescription. So he wrote out this little prescription. Now, you couldn't read it at all. In fact, you look at it and think, can anybody read it? But you go into your pharmacist, you hand it to your pharmacist, and he can read it. And I've always wondered, because a pharmacist never fills this thing in front of you. They always take it behind a, a curtain or a wall or something, kind of like you know, the wizard on the Wizard of Oz, you know, behind there, you kind of, what are they doing back there? Is he counting the right, is he getting into the right medicine? Is he mixing up the right potion here? I wonder if this guy slept through his pharmaceutical classes, or if he's even a good student, or maybe he had a bad day or, or, or something was going on. Maybe he hadn't had his coffee, but he finishes up and he brings you this little bottle and he you know and the instructions on there say take three pills twice a day and you don't question it you just do it you see faith is woven into that system that you have faith that what he gives you is the right medicine that he hasn't mixed it up with something else i want to look at an event in the life of jesus found in three of the gospels matthew mark and luke Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. We're going to begin reading with verse 35. And the reason I said that it was included in three of the Gospels is because this was a significant event, enough to make an impact in these disciples. That day when evening came and he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, there was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. That's a bad storm. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and even asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This scripture begins with that day. That day means that you've got to go back. There's a that day for every single one of us. For the disciples, this event was that day. Now, that day is different for every one of us, but that day is the day that your faith went from here to here, that it grew immeasurably. Maybe it was when you saw a prayer answered, something you'd been praying for for a long time, and God answered that prayer, and you realize, okay, God really does love, and He cares, and He listens. And it caused your faith to grow. Maybe it was 
death of a loved one. Maybe it was a birth of a child. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was a loss of a job. Maybe you lost everything that you'd come to trust in, and all of a sudden it was gone. It's the day when the promises of Scripture become living realities for you. When you take the words of of the Lord, and now they become something that you can hang your life and your faith and your hope onto. Can you think of that day for you? It's different for all of us. But for the disciples, this was that day. They were in a boat. They had just spent the day listening to Jesus teach the Sermon on the Mount, where he gave the Beatitudes. He had healed a man with leprosy. He had healed this centurion servant. He had healed Peter's mother-in-law. He had drove out demons, and he had healed many sick. And all those things in it of itself would have caused, I would have thought, for the disciples to be that day. That day when their faith was stretched, but it didn't happen until they were on the water with Jesus, when their life was in danger, and a storm hit. Their faith was still at that point, weak and small. Now, I want you to, to, to remember that this was no ordinary storm. It rattled these guys who were seasoned professional fishermen. They had spent their life fishing on the Sea of Galilee, that very lake that they were on. They were used to, to storms. I read about the Sea of Galilee this week, and just the way that it is uh, positioned and, stru- you know, that God formed it, there is you know, valleys and things that can swoop down and cause great wind, great storms to come up very quick. These guys knew that. They'd spent their life fishing on that water. Probably their parents had spent their life fishing, and so they knew about storms, but this storm scared them to death. They thought this was it. And after Jesus calmed the storm, he asked them, why were you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They just witnessed him heal cast out demons, but yet this event changed their life forever. This event was that day. But they didn't have much faith. So can you identify with them? I want to give you three quick lessons today on on faith. Faith depends upon its object. Now you think about that. Faith depends upon an object. Let me explain that. That's the first lesson that we can learn. Faith depends upon an object. There's always an object that you're going to have faith on. Now, you can have little faith and walk out on thick ice and survive. You can have great faith and walk out on thin ice and drown. That's why the Bible never says believe. It always says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible never just says, have faith. It says, have faith in God. Now, I've always wanted to fly an airplane. And I have got the opportunity to fly those simulators out at the base three different times. So, I think I could be a pretty good pilot. But I've never actually have flown a plane. But let's say you're planning a trip and I say, hey, I'll I'll fly you. I'll rent a plane, we'll meet out here at Woodring Airport, and and I'll fly you wherever you want to go. Hey, great, I'll I'll meet you out here. 
So we show up and we're loading up and you just kind of casually say, well, you know, how long have you been flying? How much experience you had flying? Well, none formally, you know, but I've flown a simulator three times and, and I've played a lot of video games. Where I've flown, and I watched a YouTube video last night, so I think we'll be fine. So, so hop in. Now, if you get in that that plane with me, that's not going to be faith, okay? That's going to be stupidity. The Greek word for that is you're ignorant. <laughs> Who was it that said, "Let's go to the other side"? It was. Jesus that said, let's go to the other side. And that's why when he calmed the waves, they said, who is this? They not only heard what he did, but they saw what he did. You see, his work or his miracles always authenticate his word. Whatever he does is backed up by his word. So our object of our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. The second lesson I want us to see today is if you want to continue to develop bulletproof faith, it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. You see, God's not just simply interested in solving problems. He's interested in developing your faith. And He knows exactly how to do it. Now, our walk with God really has three tenses to it. It has the past tense, when we were saved from sin. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. Saved us from our sin, canceled out that debt. And then we have the future tense, which is our life in eternity in heaven. So we have the past, which was our sin. We have our future, which is heaven. But we also have the present, which is now. And it's hard sometimes to gauge whether we're growing or not. Now, growing up in my house, uh, I had two other brothers, and we had this closet wall where it was kind of where we measured our growth, okay? We opened that thing up, and, you know, we would put a ruler on here, and they'd, mom and dad would mark, and then they'd write down, you know, Alan, however, 10 years old, here was the date, you know? And it was interesting to see how we grew. We had one of those, but it was out in the garage on just, we would mark, how much they grew. And it was easy to see growth over a period of time. But as you witness somebody growing up, it, you notice, gosh, maybe they're getting tall, but it didn't just happen. It's a process. I've told you guys before, I'm trying to learn to play the guitar. And I've been asked by several people lately how it's going. Well, I've got to be honest. Um, I'm not making any progress right now. I'm kind of stagnant. See, before COVID-19 in March, we were meeting at the church once a week, and Chris Wall was kind of helping us out, and we were learning, and, and I was practicing a lot. I developed the calluses on my fingers, and I was, I was doing really pretty good, and I could see that I was making progress. But then after March hit, we couldn't meet here anymore. And I didn't have that weekly accountability. I didn't have somebody stretching me, pulling me, challenging me. And I quit practicing much. Oh, I still know the chords and I could still strum a little bit right now. But I haven't made the progress that I should have made. 
Do you ever ask yourself whether as a Christian you're growing up or you're just growing old? You see, your maturity in Christ really has no bearing on how old you are or how long you've been a Christian. It's how much growth and how much progress have you made. Is your faith becoming stronger? Third lesson I want us to see today is that faith always has problems. Really? You see, God brings storms into, your, into our lives because you don't grow in the calm. You develop faith in crises. You develop faith when you have no place to look but up to the one person who is worthy of our object of faith. And you see, a Christian is not a person without faith, but as a Christian, we are the person who has the problem solver living within us. I read through the Bible quite a few times, and I've never found one verse that promises you as a Christian that you're never going to go through trials. And you're never going to go through hard times. Never. But I've found exactly the opposite. Where it says that you are going to have problems and trials. You're not exempt from these things. But our faith doesn't grow without problems. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation or testing has overtaken you except that is common to man. So, In other words, what he's saying is whatever you're going through right now, a loss of job, a struggle in marriage, maybe it's a financial crisis, whatever it is, health crisis, you're not going through something that is brand new, that nobody else has ever gone through before. These are problems that are common to all people. But he reminds us that God is faithful, even through our promises. So the ultimate test is this. Are you going to hold up, or are you going to fold up? Is your faith going to be bulletproof? I hope and pray that you never have to choose between your life and Jesus Christ. I hope you don't have to go through an experience like that. But if you do, I hope that your faith is bulletproof enough that you will say, you know, I have enough faith in Jesus Christ that I am not going to denounce my faith in Him. The Bible is full of hundreds of examples of people that kept their faith strong. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even knowing that they were going to be thrown into the fire, they said, you know, God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow to a foreign God. Daniel, before he was thrown into the lion's den, he said, God is able. And if he chooses to rescue me, I I get to live. If he doesn't, I get to, to go live with him. But I will not stop serving him. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange has happened to you. You see, as a believer, you're going to go through trials and problems in life. It's going to happen. 
And I'm not wishing bad luck on anybody, but I hope that you go through enough trials in your life and enough storms in your life that causes your faith to grow because it's not going to grow in the calm water. I hope your faith becomes bulletproof. If you're facing a difficult time right now, I'm going to challenge you to do one thing. I want you to memorize this verse. Write it on a, on a three-by-five note card. Put it in your pocket. Stick it on your mirror. Put it on your dash, on your desk, somewhere where you're going to see this all the time. Galatians 6, 9 says, So let us not get weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You have to keep going. Maybe you feel like giving up this morning, and I I encourage you, hang in there. Because if you don't give up, you will reach a harvest of blessing. Pray with me. Lord, I pray for the brothers and sisters around the world that are going through trials in their, their life right now. Brothers and sisters that just by, by meeting are in fear of their life. Brothers and sisters that face making a choice whether they choose you or choose to live. I pray for them. I pray that their faith remains strong so they can be one of the recipients of that white robe in heaven. Lord, I pray for the brothers and sisters here and those that are listening online today that their faith grows to the point that it is bulletproof, that it is unshakable, that regardless of what happens here on this earth, they will not quit. They will not give up. They will not lose their faith in you. I pray for the faith to, to be to be grown and stretched and challenged for every believer here, Lord, that they will have enough storms in their life that cause their faith to grow. They can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.